Danny Lavery here. Please don't be alarmed if you don't hear that familiar theme music that normally opens this podcast. We've changed the music and the name of the show as well. You are listening to Big Mood, Little Mood with Danny Lavery. But if you are a regular listener of Dear Prudence, I still think you'll feel at home here. We'll still be answering a few questions from advice seekers at the top of every show so you won't be left adrift. Hello and welcome to our first mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Daniel M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week, our first guest, is Aubrey Gordon, a columnist for Self Magazine and the author of What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. She also co-hosts Maintenance Phase, a podcast that decodes and debunks weight loss and wellness trends. And here's more of our conversation in the very first Little Big Mood, Little Mood. I am glad that you brought up kids because that provides us with a useful segue towards our next letter, uh, which it's going to be my turn to read. And I'm sure I will have to do three or four takes to make sure I don't say Dear Prudence because that's (laughs) not this show anymore. (laughs) I have to let that go. I can do it. The subject is TikTok and mental health role play. And there's, it's not addressed to anyone. It's dear nobody to nothing. (laughs) I'm in my mid-twenties, and TikTok is one of the first things that's made me feel pretty out of touch with Gen Z. My partner is a fan of the app and sometimes passes videos along to me. The other day, he sent me something that was recommended to him by the site. It was a video of my cousin, who's five years younger than me, talking about having dissociative identity disorder. Well, that was news to me. I started watching some of her other videos. Some of the things she discusses never happened, like being homeless or experiencing the death of a sibling. And some of the, quote, alter personalities that she talks about having are just real people, popular YouTubers or musicians, for example. My understanding was that DID is extremely rare and is usually developed after experiencing severe childhood trauma. Some Googling led me down various rabbit holes discussing how DID is apparently a trend on social media lately. I don't believe in gatekeeping or shaming anyone who experiences mental illness. I have my own mental health issues. And I know that for women, health concerns are often downplayed and not taken seriously. But I've been in my cousin's life since she was born, and I know this cannot be real. She has almost 100,000 followers, and she seems to be speaking about a condition she doesn't have. I'm a bit flabbergasted and not sure what to do, if anything. I haven't said anything to my cousin or other relatives. I don't know why this is the line that like stuck with me, but I was Mm. just like, why is TikTok the first thing that's made you feel out of touch with people like six years? It's just a, it's just videos, short videos, you know, Vine did that a few years ago. And before that, there was the Smothers Brothers, like short videos. Ah, yes. The Let's Smothers Brothers, famously the godfathers of Vine. <laughs> yeah. An unbroken chain between the two. I don't know, laughing, whatever, something else in the middle. America's Funniest Home Videos. There we go. That's something... Closer to the 90s. I have to say, I'm so overjoyed that that was your first response because my first response was just like full body tension. I was just like, God, this feels so high stakes and so intense and like a challenging position for this person to be in and also a really challenging position for their cousin to be in. Like, it feels like a real sticky wicket, man. Yeah. 
I think that might have actually been part of why that first line jumped out at me because it felt like that was providing the sort of wedge for, I don't understand people several years my junior Mm -hmm. and this service, this platform is somehow representative of what I understand to be this huge generational shift. Mm -hmm. For, For all that generations might be useful in talking about certain like demographics or like wide scale issues. I don't know that you need to think about this letter writer as a generational split. You might simply feel like I would not want to talk about my own mental health issues uh, on a video distribution platform. And that is something that I don't seem to have in common with my cousin without making it like a comment on your generation versus hers. Um, I, I think that way lies madness a lot of the time. Like that often turns people into saying things like must be something about kids these days rather than just like I'm having an interpersonal issue with someone I care about. And so like to that end, I think part of the reason I experienced tension and I don't know if you felt it too, but like those two things of like my understanding, some Googling, rabbit holes, followed by I haven't said anything. And it's just like, man, if you've noticed that you're not saying anything to the people you're concerned about and you're spending a lot of time online researching what you think might be wrong with them, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, it seems like a a real recipe for a bad news situation, for sure. (laughs) I mean, it also, again, like, this is like a um, let's be explicit here kind of moment, which is, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a clinician, (laughs) right? Like, I'm not a mental health care provider. It sounds like this letter writer also is not based on Googling DID, (laughs) sort of like this sort of approach that they're taking. And I think it's worth saying and sort of starting here that like without hearing from your cousin directly, you're probably not going to know about this person's like very deeply personal and heavily stigmatized mental health stuff, whether it's present or not. Right. Like, I think it's just worth knowing like, uh, listen, none of us are trained eyes or trained ears here. (laughs) And if you're already at a place where you're sort of like uh, feeling suspicious of your cousin and Googling sort of the claims that they're making, you two are probably not each other's like, you know, closest relational go-tos to work out really thorny Mm -hmm. personal stuff. So I would also just sort of start from this place of like, accept that this might be something that your cousin is experiencing or is not experiencing, but either way, you might not be the person that they would go to to work it out. Yeah, I, I I think there's often opportunities to lovingly not do anything mm. uh, that sometimes it's easy to miss because it can feel like, well, this is my relative. This video was weird. And, you know, what about the implications? And, and I, I do think, you know, letter writer sounds complicated. It, it sounds a little strange. It, it does sound weird if uh, you've seen a video where your cousin says something like, I had a sibling who died, and to the best of your knowledge, that's not true. But you haven't seen anything that I would say puts you in the position of like, I have an obligation to learn more. I have an obligation to do something. You could choose to say, that's really weird. What a weird relationship to social media. I, I'm apparently not close enough to my cousin that we talk very regularly probably I am not in the best position to speak to her about it now. Um, If she has that many followers, it's not a huge secret. It's likely that either other relatives of her know or eventually will find out if I have. And um, if it comes up, uh, if she mentions it to me, if somebody else talks to her about it, you know, I, I may decide to join that conversation then. I don't have to initiate it. No one's getting fired over this. No one's, you know, she's not a doctor. 
There's a lot of weird videos on TikTok and other platforms where people say whatever they think is true about various conditions or diagnoses. Much of the time, that stuff is kind of made up. There's like a whole, you know, uh, I was trying to, what, what's the phrase I'm looking for of like, I want to say like a penny anti-industry, like an industry that springs up overnight, a cottage industry. Cottage industry. That's the one. Cottage <laughs> industry. I don't I don't know why I thought of penny ante. I like of it though. Like I'm at an old timey carnival. I feel like people are playing penny ante whatever in a cottage. That feels right to yeah. me. Yeah. I'm just bringing the Smothers Brothers and <laughs> old Midway games uh, to this new show because I'm secretly a hundred year old. Yeah. So, you know, there's like a whole cottage industry of people on social media being like, this is what ADHD is. And you could just say whatever, you know, you could just truly say whatever. And sometimes people will say things that strike me as really out there. But, you know, I, I don't feel worried about going going around and being like, I'm going to message this ADHD meme account. I, I think you could put this in that same category. You're not in a position to gatekeep. You're not her doctor. You're not a mental health provider. I do think there is value in talking about gatekeeping in terms of people who actually have an ability to like open or close a gate rather than just like someone doesn't approve of me as an individual. So you could, you could probably shame your cousin. I don't think you have the ability to gatekeep your cousin. If she's underage, maybe her parents do, uh, if it comes to accessing certain mental health services, but like gatekeepings, you don't have to worry about that. That's not really on the table here. So free yourself of that concern. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that I would say here is like, look, if you're trying to sort of connect the dots of like, okay, if my cousin is not telling the truth about this thing, first of all, like whose role is it to investigate that? And why would that need to happen? Second Mm -hmm. of all, if it's not the truth or, you know, capital T, capital T, the truth, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, What are the repercussions that will happen? And chances are that those repercussions will happen on TikTok um, with followers, and those will be your cousins to hold, right? Like, Mm -hmm. your cousin is making a series of decisions about who and how to sort of disclose this kind of stuff. Your cousin is probably, frankly, also experiencing a fair amount of, like, internet trolling around mental health stigma, right? Mm. Um, So I would also just think about, like, okay, if the worst case scenario that you're imagining (laughs) in your sort of, like, um, concern brain comes to pass, like what actually happens in that scenario? And I think overwhelmingly that sort of remains on TikTok. I think if you are concerned about the state of your relationship with your cousin, I did not hear this in the letter, but like thinking broadly, right? Um, if you are concerned with like, wow, why would this person tell a hundred thousand people on TikTok and not me, then I think there's room to have a genuine conversation about like, hey, I feel really struck that you felt more comfortable telling a bunch of strangers than you felt telling me about this. What can we do to open up the lines of communication? Yeah, I think that's often an opportunity to say like, have I not done something or done something that has made you feel like you couldn't open up to me? Um, Not that you have to assume you did something wrong, but often it's an indicator that something isn't present that needs to be. Um, so, so to not approach it as like, why didn't you tell me so much as like, Hey, I want you to know that I saw this. I hope that you can talk to me about these things. You don't have to, but if there's anything that I could do differently that would make it easier to talk to me about this, I hope you'll let me know and I will take it seriously and think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I don't necessarily get that vibe from this letter. (laughs) This feels like a Columbo letter. That's like, what's really Mm -hmm. going on here? Just one more thing. Uh, more than sort of like a, like, I'm deeply concerned about the state of this person kind of mode. 
But again, like if you are concerned about the state of your relationship, I do think that there is like room for a little bit of that kind of like light touch, like, Hey, what do you need from me? How you doing? Um, sort of checking in kind of stuff. Yeah. I I think I also, as I've been rereading this letter, I'm struck by there's no description of what their relationship is normally like, how often they talk, whether they are historically close. And so, yeah, letter writer, if the answer is like, we're not super close, we see each other once or twice a year during the holidays, maybe catch up once or twice during the summer, that's kind of it. You know, I think at that point, it's just kind of fair to say this person's my cousin. We're not terribly close. I might feel a little sad or worried or concerned. But this is not like an invitation to act like I am one of her people, you know, one of her like close confidants who's a part of her life. Beyond that, yeah, I think leave room for the possibility that you you don't know whether or not she has been diagnosed with DID. It's also possible that there are any number of other mental health related issues that she might be saying things either that she believes to be true. Um, or that she knows not to be true. And I think this is one of the things that's really hard to talk about, which is that sometimes like if someone's in an active manic episode or like experiencing a delusion or a hallucination, it can be really jarring. It can look really strange. And I think there's this sort of like, there's ways in which some of the public conversation about mental health issues hasn't quite caught up to that. It's sort of like, hey, if your friend's depressed, like here's how to kind of help out. Or like if your friend has anxiety, here's how to help out. But there's less of a sense of like, mania or delusions can look really intense and people often feel a real sense of like, I need to shut this down. This is really freaky. We need to fix this. We need to contain this. And I would just encourage you, you know, it it doesn't necessarily help somebody in a state like that to hear like, you need to stop, knock it off. Like, boy, if that worked, that would have worked, you know, because people often do that, you know? Totally. And if you are not particularly close um, and you start with, you need to knock it off right now, like, congratulations on not getting any closer through that particular conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it feels really, uh, it feels really tough. Oh, feels really tough. Yeah. So I would just say at most, if you want to get in touch, ask how they're doing, you can do that. If you think that you would be able to like listen, not offer advice or suggestions on what they ought to do next. If you're prepared to hear something that you might find confusing or distressing um, without responding immediately with like, shut it down or that's not true. And I say all that, by the way, I I don't mean that you need to call up your cousin and then like affirm anything that she might say that you might believe isn't true. Um, I just mean that it would be an exploratory kind of conversation where you're just attempting to get a feel for how she is doing rather than like, I am going to single-handedly pull you out of either a manic episode or a delusion or some sort of like lie. Um, and I, I throw that on at the end. I just, it, it seems to me a little bit more likely that there's just something going on with her rather than she's just like, I got bored one day and decided to make up a bunch of stuff. Um, and that I think is what I want to impress upon the letter writer that like, clearly something's going on. Clearly something is happening with her that is distressing and like ongoing. And so that should be, I think, really at the back of your mind as you even consider a conversation. It's not like she just made up a bunch of stuff for no reason and just needs somebody to say, Hey, stop. Yeah. Yeah. It seems very clear to me that like, uh, again, like whatever's happening here, it is, um, there's a lot of it, right. (laughs) There's a lot, um, that a trained eye could really, really help with. Right. Um, and as this person's cousin, you may have a great deal of concern about it. You may have a great deal of curiosity about it as well, which is like, 
uh, a thing that I have a lot. Understandable. Totally understandable. Not my most flattering angle, but like understandable, right? <laughs> um, and I think all of that is like totally normal, totally human. And I think it's also worth thinking through like when and whether you are the person to deliver that message or to have that conversation. Yes. Yeah. I often feel really curious about stuff that's not my business. That's a pretty human impulse. I also often will stop myself and say like, do I just need to acknowledge the fact that I feel curious and I'm going to have to live with that, you know, slightly like unfinished sneeze feeling of I don't get to satisfy my curiosity. It's fine. Not getting to sneeze when you want to sneeze is frustrating, but it will not kill you. Um, And so I think my last button on this is just if you continue to feel curious I would really encourage you to stop Googling. I I think that's going to make you feel more and more like you're kind of siloed off coming to a series of conclusions about things that you're mostly just speculating about. And it will make it harder to have any conversations with your cousin while paradoxically, I think also making you feel more and more secure in your own diagnosis. I would say at most, if you continue to feel this burning curiosity but can't bring yourself to speak to your cousin, Call your own doctor or call a psychiatrist and say, I think I have a family member who might be either experiencing DID or might be experiencing some other kind of mental health condition, the scope of which I don't really know that is leading them to say things that I'm pretty sure never happened and seeming pretty distressed about it. What do you advise I do? How can I be helpful and not um, like make her life worse? And get a professional opinion on like, how do you support someone in such a moment? And um, take that into consideration rather than, again, just like Google says this, Google says that. I'm going to show up with a printout and say, I solved the problem of your lies. Yeah. I mean, I, the last thing that I would say that like really, really stuck out to me about this letter is that last line. I haven't said anything to my cousin or other relatives. And I just want to like super strongly underscore that that is categorically not your role to convey to other people that you think someone either has a mental illness or is feigning a mental illness. Like that is, um, that's a real plan with fire kind of moment, right? I was just struck by, as you were saying, like that line, my cousin or other relatives, as if that's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe if you believed your cousin was like at imminent risk of harm and you had tried talking to her and that did not go well, At that point, you might consider checking in with some of her other relatives, but that would be several stages down the road. And it is not anything that you need to do right now, especially because if I'm doing the math correctly, the cousin in question is probably 19, 20, 21. So she's not a child. And so even if she's doing something that really freaks you out or that you find worrying, the first impulse cannot be either gossip with my other cousins or talk to her mom and dad first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is one of those places where like, if I think about my own family, uh, if I think about the families of my friends and people that I know and love, few of those families are like very well versed in complicated and misunderstood mental illnesses, right? Like, um, so it really is inviting more other people into the conversation who will have strong responses and very little information, who will also do a bunch of their own Googling, right? And it will compound a problem rather than resolving it. Yeah. I had, this is going to be a bridge between the next, this question and the next. Um, But I think it's legal for me to discuss a recent Dear Prudence column and live chat, even though, again, it's not me anymore, somebody else. But somebody had written in to say that they had a roommate they were not very close with. Uh, Their roommate had left one Friday afternoon with just a purse and then hadn't come back until Sunday morning. 
and hadn't responded to a, a couple of texts, at which point the letter writer had Googled, sleuthed on social media, found their roommate's sibling and mother and called them to say, I haven't heard from her, uh, have you? And then, you know, fielded some calls from the panicked mother. And then when the roommate returned home Sunday morning, which again, I just want to stress, less than 36 hours was like, what the hell? Like I had a bag of gym clothes in my car. I went to a guy I was seeing's house. I ended up staying an extra day. My phone died and like I was having a really good time. What on earth? Um, And the letter writer wanted to know like, but I felt concerned. Isn't that justified? She could have been dead in a ditch. And I tried to talk about what I understood as sometimes we feel concerned. And and it's one of the responsibilities uh, of adult life to try to figure out how grounded is my concern? um, How likely is my concern to be real? um, How close am I to this person? What is and is not my place based on our relationship? And one of the things I was really struck by was like a couple of of people were like, no, 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 this is just how like women treat other women. This is just the thing that happens if you're a woman who leaves the house um, and you haven't previously had any conversation with your roommates about how often you want to check in with one another. If you go more than a day without responding to your roommate's text, because you are a woman, it is, you just have to deal with the fact that your roommate's going to call your mom. And I just felt like that, I I don't think that that can be the way that we think about our own feelings of concern for other people. Because to say that, like the implication that like the the roommate or or anybody who is a woman and wants to do something that might be in a mild to moderate to even high risk choice that, that they just have to submit to the concern of other people trying to intervene in their lives without agreeing to it i was just like i just can't get on board with that yeah totally i mean i'll say this is a place where like as a fat lady like concerned conversations are like a weekly if not daily occurrence right um sometimes from people that i know and love sometimes from full on strangers on the street right that folks will just come up to me and say i'm really concerned about your health um without uh being a doctor or knowing my doctor <laughs> without having any sort of like concrete information to go on right and i think that that is a kind of concern that has been instilled in people over many, many years and decades of sort of messages about fatness and fat people in this case, um, or around um, mental illness and or feigning mental illness, right? Um, uh, Those are misperceptions that create real feelings. um, And those real feelings can still lead to some real boundary crossing kind of actions and can lead us to stay hyper-focused on the person we think we're concerned about rather than our own motivations and the roots of that concern and sort of where that comes from. I think um, certainly in my case, like those experiences of like people expressing concern about my health are not um, grounded in any specific knowledge of me or my particular health conditions. Um, And boy, oh boy, uh, I wish folks would take like just a 10 second pit stop to be like, why am I saying this? What's the outcome that I'm hoping for here? I I think so often, this is maybe going to sound a a little uh, like a stretch, but I I, I read a lot of, you know, novels about like manners uh, in the 19th century. And, and, you know, the idea in so many of them is that there are certain like rules of introduction and, and like ways in which like you are either entitled to begin a conversation with someone because you have been formally introduced through other people who can recommend your character, who can vouch for you, or you don't have that. And if you don't have that, no matter how much you might wish to meet them or wish to speak to them, it would be, you know, at best a faux pas, at worst, like quite, quite rude for you to 
go and attempt to start a conversation that you don't have like sort of some sort of buy-in. And there's a sort of like alternative to that, which is like the roof serves as an introduction. So there's this idea of like, there are certain events where if we are at the same event, the roof, the fact that we've both been invited by the same person serves as sufficient vouching Mm -hmm. such that I can introduce myself to you without being accused of being forward. And I think people often treat fatness as an introduction or their own feelings of concern, which may or may not be grounded in reality, which may or may not have anything to do with like how many women have gone missing in your city that year, um, but everything to do with like ideas about certain types of middle-class white womanhood, for example. Um, And that feels so real that it's like, this feels so big and so powerful, it must serve as an introduction. I feel so genuinely worried about this stranger that I must, like it must just be a sign of my character my good intentions. That's all I need. Here's my ticket. I'm coming over to talk to you. I'm calling your mother. And it's just not always like feeling something does not always mean that that is true. Feeling safe and being safe are often two very different things. Sometimes feeling unsafe and being unsafe are two different things. Sometimes people look for threats from strangers when they are much more likely to come from friends, relatives, and loved ones. Um, And sometimes people think, it's really good for me to go tell this woman apropos of nothing that I'm concerned about her health because, you know, the little bell in my head went off that says she's fat. She needs me. Totally. I mean, I think there's also a way in which that those sorts of moments of concern for me as a fat person, particularly from folks that I don't know, especially well read to me as someone who is functionally saying, right? Like regardless of their intentions, the message that I hear is I noticed that you're fat. Can you tell me about how you're trying to change that? Right? So it is an expectation of a performance from me for their benefit to set their mind at ease rather than an attempt to uh, fix a known problem. And I sort of reject the idea that a body type is a problem, right? Or that a staying away from home for a night or two is a problem or, you know, like any of that kind of stuff just deserves like just a little bit more interrogation before sort of uh, digging in on those conversations, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And just the difference between, boy, if you have a friend who has said like, I'm going out to meet a guy, if I don't text you by 10, you should know that something is up. Absolutely. If you don't hear back from that friend, by all means, like, set into initiation, whatever things you've agreed on would be the next step. Um, But the step between that and if some other woman, simply by virtue of living with you and splitting the utilities, thinks you've gone too long without texting her back, she gets to alert your relatives. Uh, You know, that, that to me feels like a pretty clear cut difference. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you have a moment, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more conversations with our guest. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form. Thanks for listening. <laughs>